The following podcast is part of the MindBodySpirit.fm podcast network. Meditation doesn't have to be a solo practice. Meditation is more fun with friends. Looking for a way to drop in and hang out at the same time? Join us online at Omega Institute for a meditation party with self-proclaimed meditation nerds Dan Harris, host of the 10% Happier podcast, Sabene Selassie and Jeff Warren. This three-day retreat will stream live from Omega's Hudson Valley Campus, May 17th to 19th. Don't miss the party. Reserve your spot at eomega.org slash party today. You're listening to Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. Thank you for tuning in for this Unity Partner Program. Unity Online Radio partners with spiritual leaders from organizations whose mission and messages complement Unity's. We are pleased to bring you this program on Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. Welcome to Main Street Vegan with host Victoria Moran. Victoria is an author, inspirational speaker, and a certified holistic health counselor and vegan lifestyle coach. She's here to entertain, educate, and inspire you on your journey to look and feel amazing, eat extraordinary food, help animals, and create a physical body perfectly attuned to spiritual growth. Now, let's get this party started. Here is your host, Victoria Moran. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Main Street Vegan here on Unity Online Radio. I am Victoria Moran, and I'm so, so happy to be with you today. I actually am joined on my living room here in glorious uptown Harlem, New York City, by, well, it looks like a couple of beings today. I have a co-host, and her name is Laurel Arsveld. She's in from Orange County, California. Laurel is a playwright, a screenwriter, and a vegan of one year standing. Welcome, Laurel. Thank you, Victoria. It's so nice to be here. Well, welcome to New York City. I know you've been traveling around, and I have to mention the other being. I don't want to be unfair here. <laughs> the other being is Forbes. Those of you who have listened before know that Forbes is my dog. He just came in from his dog walk and is very excited. He also was just groomed this morning. Yeah. And he looks Beautiful. Why, thank you. You know, his name is Forbes, which is a very high-class name. And in Unity, there's a lot of talk about using words that Uh project the kind of image you want in the world. So I was walking Forbes a couple of weeks ago, and a gentleman in a a wheelchair out on the street said, what's your dog's name? And I said, Forbes. And he said, sport? I said, no, (laughs) Forbes. And he said, Oh, Forbes, I thought he looked like a rich dog. (laughs) So sometimes all you have to do is uh, tell people to think of you, and that's exactly what happens. Oh, that's excellent. So, Laurel, tell us about your vegan journey, and congratulations on your anniversary of veganism. Oh, thank you very much. It's been an interesting journey for me, and I'm sure there are others out there who 
had a similar path. Um, we raised our daughter vegetarian. She's now 26 years old and a veterinarian. And, um, and my husband and I decided that would be a really good way because then when she was older, she could decide whether she was going to eat meat or not. And so we were raising this vegetarian vegan child while we were eating meat because I could not get off the meat. It was unbelievable. And my husband either. We traveled all the time and it just looked so difficult. So we kept eating meat and she didn't. So I think off and on I've dabbled with um, vegetarian vegan lifestyle. And a year ago I had this huge epiphany. Epiphany. I'm a I'm approaching 60 this year, and I realized that for my health, for the planet, for animals, I really wanted to make the change. So when I did it, my husband also said, I want to do it too, which totally shocked me. So the two of us have been vegan now for a year. Our daughter is vegetarian vegan, moving more and more toward vegan. Um, And I have to say that I feel so much better. And I'm so grateful that I, I'm on this path. It's a pretty remarkable path. When you were talking about your daughter being vegetarian when you weren't, yeah. it reminds me of Dr. Benjamin Spock, who in his later life, after some health problems, and we're talking really later life, like his early 80s, uh-huh. he went vegan and lived to be into his late 90s. Wow. But he said that it wasn't that difficult for him, because when he was a small child back in the Victorian era, it was believed that children shouldn't eat meat, that they couldn't really? digest meat. So the children ate with the nanny, and they didn't have any meat until oh. I guess they got to be the age of wearing long pants or whatever. Oh, wow. So that's <laughs> really interesting. It is. It's curious how all these things go around and come around. And you've just come from visiting your daughter in New Hampshire, where you were with all sorts of critters. I was. She, um, My daughter is doing a year internship. She graduated from UC Davis Vet School, and she's been doing working with horses. So she's an equine vet. And it was really interesting because she lives above the hospital of this huge practice, and all these animals were coming in. And it was so amazing to see because there's externs there, there's young, young vet students, starry-eyed people who come in and um, the middle of the night there'll be an emergency. Uh, last night there was a cult that needed to come in and needed some assistance. And they have no sleep. They're working strictly on adrenaline and their love of animals and doing a wonderful job, by the way. So I've been, there's cats, there's dogs, there's goats, there's everything. And um, I just really applaud people who choose that as a lifestyle. Oh, it sounds great. And love and adrenaline can be a really, (laughs) really heady combination. Now, speaking of places with lots of terrific animals, we have Mm -hmm. many animal sanctuaries nearby. We're so lucky in in New York. We actually have three in New York State, one across the river in New Jersey that I know of. There may even be more. But one of of our animal sanctuaries, um, the Catskill Animal Sanctuary, it's founded by a wonderful, wonderful woman. Talk about horses. This woman is truly a horse whisperer. Her name is Kathy Stevens. And her book, Animal Camp, 
has just been reissued today with revisions and, and different stories and, and new things. She's going to be on the show in July, but I did promise that I would mention the Animal Camp. If you haven't read it, go to Amazon, go to BN.com or your favorite indie bookstore and take a look. It is out in a new edition. And speaking of new editions, there is actually a new edition of Main Street Vegan. It's really just a second printing, and that's what they do when they run out of the first printing. But a couple of things had happened in the world, and so I asked the nice people at Tartar Penguin if they would let me actually make changes. They usually don't for, for a second printing, but they said that in this case they would. And that's because when I was writing Main Street Vegan back in late 2011, the cosmetic thing looked like it was almost a non-issue. So many of the big companies had stopped testing and there were so many small companies coming along. It just seemed like that was almost a historic relic of something we used to have to fight in the animal rights uh, era, animal rights movement. But unfortunately, around the time that I was writing the book, the big companies were being courted by China, and so many of them went back to animal testing. Not all. It's wonderful that uh, Urban Decay and um, Paul Mitchell are, are staying true to form. Aveda is still good. Their parent company, Estee Lauder, is going to be testing for the Chinese market. But when uh, the developer, the founder of Aveda, um, sold the, the company to Estee Lauder, there was an ironclad contract that Aveda products can never be tested mm. on animals. So that one's still okay. But I needed to redo that whole chapter about cosmetics and toiletries, so I did that. And there was also a dud recipe. My grandmother used to say, confession is good for the soul. My cornbread recipe just wasn't very good. <laughs> So Nava Atlas, who's a wonderful, wonderful vegan chef and, and cookbook author, gave me a really good cornbread recipe. So you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to put Nava's fabulous recipe on the blog on the MainStreetVegan.net site. So you can go there, and it'll be today or tomorrow. So look up May 15th or May 16th, 2013, if you're somebody who's listening long from now on a, on a podcast. And you can see Nava's good cornbread recipe if indeed you have an early edition of Main Street Vegan. And then there's big news in the world. Really big news. Kaiser Permanente, big hospital group, has come out in the Permanente Journal spring 2013 in favor of a plant-based diet. Not just kind of, sort of, a little bit. Here's what they say. And this is a quote that I hope will change the world. What they say is, healthy eating may be best achieved with a plant-based diet, which we define as a regimen that encourages whole plant-based foods and discourages meats, dairy products, and eggs as well as all refined and processed foods. Wow. Physicians should consider recommending a plant-based diet to all their patients, especially those with high blood pressure, diabetes, cardiovascular disease, or obesity. Wow. That is outstanding. That is outstanding. 
and amazing and wonderful. And I hope that it reverberates around the country, around the world, and makes some really fabulous changes. Speaking of fabulous, our guest today is Ellen Hanner. She is the Meatless Monday columnist on the Huffington Post, and she's the author of a beautiful book. You know, some books have recipes in them, and the books are delicious themselves, and this is one of those. It's called Feeding the Hungry Ghost, Life, Faith, and What to Eat for Dinner. Coming up after these messages, stay with us with more Main Street Vegan on Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. It takes you to power Unity Online Radio. If you'd like to make a positive difference in the world, you can by contributing to this global ministry. Unity Online Radio relies on listener support to broadcast the messages of unity to an awakening world. To contribute, visit www.unity.fm and click on Donate Now. What if you could experience vibrant health, help heal the planet, and be a great friend to God's animal kingdom through simple choices you make at breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Authors Victoria and Adair Moran say you can do this easily, affordably, and deliciously in their new book, Main Street Vegan. Everything you need to know to eat healthfully and live compassionately in a real world. Loaded with practical tips, straightforward information, and fabulous recipes, Main Street Vegan will help you on your journey toward a plant-based diet. The perks include more energy, an easy way to keep your weight where you want it, feeling younger as you grow older, and maybe even a boost to your spiritual life. Purchase Main Street Vegan from BN.com. Amazon.com or your favorite bookseller. What if you were intentional about your life, committed to having more energy and being more vibrant? Join Reverend Temple Hayes, Senior Minister of First Unity at Unity Campus in St. Petersburg, Florida as she guides you on a journey to an intentional and energetic life. Empower your life and fully express the wondrous energy, love, and joy you hold in your wildest imagining. Joyfully and actively know that more important than what happens after you die is the deeper and enriching concern for what happens while you're living. How can you experience an incredible life right now? Learn how each week on The Intentional Spirit, Seeing and Being, Wednesdays at 1 p.m. Central Time, right here on Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. You're 
listening to Main Street Vegan with Victoria Moran. If you have questions or comments about today's topic or any other area of interest, we invite you to follow Victoria underscore Moran on Twitter or email her at MainStreetVegan at UnityOnlineRadio.org. Now, back to Main Street Vegan. Hey, everybody. Thanks for being with us. I think I was talking over the um, the announcer there a moment ago. If there was a little bit of, of confusion, I apologize for that. It's so lovely to be here today with Laurel Arsveld, who's in from Orange County, California. And I am about to introduce our wonderful, wonderful guest, Ellen Canner. Now, our wonderful Jeff Comfort, who's the engineer who makes everything work. I mean, it is really amazing that... I'm in New York, and our guest is in Miami, and Jeff is out there in Missouri holding it all together. But Jeff has been eating more fruits and vegetables, and he told me today that he's been cutting down on his soda intake. And I just happened to find a beautiful quotation in Ellen Canner's book, Feeding the Hungry Ghost. She says, I've been soda-free for years now, and don't miss it at all. In fact, the thought of it, all sweet and foamy in my mouth, is just weird. Am I happier, healthier, richer, more famous? Well, I'm healthier. I have fewer colds, more stamina, glowier skin, and nails that actually grow. And I'm pretty happy. (laughs) It is my pleasure to introduce the pretty happy just prolific writer, Ellen Canner. She's an award-winning food writer, and in addition to being the author of Feeding the Hungry Ghost, Life, Faith, and What to Eat for Dinner, she is the Huffington Post Meatless Monday blogger and the syndicated columnist Edgy Veggie. She's been published in Bon Appetit, Eating Well, Vegetarian Times, Every Day with Rachel Ray, and Coulinante, as well as other online and print publications. She's an ardent advocate for sustainable, accessible food and serves on the Miami boards of Slow Food and Common Threads. She is a fourth-generation Floridian. Oh, my gosh. That just makes me feel warm. And you can find her at ellen Inc. Dot com. Welcome, Ellen Canner. Oh, hi. Thank you so much. Boy, am I happy now. I have, <laughs> I'm such a fan. <laughs> well, that, that's fully mutual. There are so many wonderful people in, in this movement. There, there really are. You just meet people and you think, okay, do I have anything in common with you except that we both know what quinoa is? And then you find <laughs> out, we just have lots and lots in common. Absolutely. So it's either caused by the quinoa or there's something else going on. <laughs> so, Ellen, this is a beautiful, beautiful book. And anybody who hasn't seen it, let me tell you that when I look through this book, I'm reminded of those culinary novels where there's a story, but there are recipes woven in. Now, this is not a novel. This is a nonfiction book about life and spirituality and family and religion and tradition and lots of recipes. So where did you get the idea for a book in a format like this? Well, you know, from from your own work, that it's never one thing. We 
bring our whole lives with us, and we bring our whole lives to the table. And I wanted to talk about that. Yes, there are some fabulous vegan cookbooks out there, but I wanted to talk about the soulful aspect, the family aspect, and in some places sex, because I always like to drag that into the conversation when I can. Um, and, it, you know, it all has to do with food. It all has to do with food, because we're feeding that hungry ghost. What, that's an interesting, intriguing title. What's the hungry ghost? Um, I lived in Japan with my husband when we were first married, and I discovered there is such a thing as the Hungry Ghost Festival. Uh, it is to honor or to shoo away spirits who were so hungry in life, so clutchy and needy and kind of demanding and crazy that they were that way even after they died, and then they came back and haunted people. So to make a hungry ghost happy and appeased and go away, you have to show care. You show prayer and you put out food offerings. And I thought, man, we are the same way now. We are just so needy and crazy and, and manic and we're hungry, 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 but we don't even know for what. So if you feed yourself on a really deep level, in addition to having great food, it brings us back to that still point where we think, yes, I can go forward. I've, you know, I am satisfied on a deep level. Mm, I love that. Beautiful. And I actually heard a, a similar story about the hungry ghost, not in Japan. This was in Kansas City when I used to hang out with spiritualists. And they said that the reason it's not a good idea to hang around bars and places like that is that people who used to like to drink after they die, they're still hanging out there. <laughs> so um, you never know. You never know. So tell us, Ellen, what is your very favorite recipe in this book, and why did you put it there? Oh, that is a tough question, and not because I'm devoted to every single one of them, but because I'm fickle. Uh, I tend – my husband and I have been married – really long time now and we've never had the same meal twice because, wow. what drive, because what drives me is what's in season now I'm very much I can't always live in the moment but I can cook in the moment so uh -huh. as we move um, from you know spring into summer actually I am making something out of the cookbook this evening there is something called farinata which is a chickpea pancake um, it's sort of wonderfully chewy on the inside, and it's got a great crust, and you can slice it into wedges like a pizza and put all kinds of fresh vegetables on it. I ha Well, I'm in love with that for the moment, and who knows what tomorrow will bring. That's beautiful. That is fabulous. Now, I love how you say that you haven't cooked the same thing twice for your husband. Because Work I cook the same things over and over again. <laughs> How does a person get out of that kind of rut? Um, well, it is a matter of being seasonally focused. And uh, to, to put it on a more soulful level, as I always like to do, um, okay, so maybe you're making the terrific kale salad that you, you like to make. But you know it's not always the same that you put in 
more or less of this and that, and maybe you're in a great mood because you had a great show, or maybe you're, you've been traveling all over whatnot and you're just a little draggy and you need that kale, it's a little different. You're a little different every time you come into the kitchen. Hmm. That's a I lovely it's way to look to honor at. that. Yeah. Do you ever get tired of dealing with food? Do you ever just want to say, oh, no, either take me out or give me cereal? Um, I confess that when I am alone, I can be very happy with a bowl of oatmeal. Um, but I always do come back to the rapture of it, not just because deal cut oats kick butt, but because I think about how this food has nourished us for centuries and centuries. I think about how people in other parts of the world would would eat it, um, what they might be doing with it. I find it a pretty rich topic. I find that when I really care about myself, when I'm in a very good place, um, self-esteem-wise, when I've been meditating, when I've been working out, that's when I really want to work with food. Food is very appealing Mm. to me then. And at other times, I I just don't want to. I I want the salad in the box or the bag. I just want something quick. I remember when I used to be a practicing binge eater, I could (laughs) tell where my spiritual fitness was based on my willingness to wash lettuce. Do you see any of that with people you know? Uh, Maybe it is a self-esteem issue, in which case I think we should like maybe consider mass antidepressants because I would do anything (laughs) to get people into the kitchen, and I cannot do it. Um, I wrote this book to kind of coax people back that way. It is very, very tough. You know, we all have excuses. And and having a busy life is, is, you know, it's just the truth these days. But I think you're right. It is all about nourishing ourselves on every level. We need to feel good about ourselves. And sometimes getting the gunk out of our systems and just eating pure, simple food is a great place to start. That's really true. Um, Alan, I have a question for you because I don't know how many people are out there, but I am a gypsy. My husband and I are on the road at least 300 days out of the year. So what do you recommend to somebody who doesn't have a kitchen? I think you can, and this is sort of the upside of how connected we are now. I think you can find fresh produce almost anywhere now. It may not be the best thing, you know, you've ever eaten, but if you can eat something plant-based and alive and get it in you, I think that just sort of sets off good triggers. Uh, It it sets off positive energy. It it seems to me that anytime you can eat something that anybody cooked, any real person as opposed to a processed corporation where if your choice is is the little kind of maybe not too clean looking Chinese place versus the bright, beautiful fast food chain, I'd go to the little gunky Chinese place. Absolutely. I totally agree. And with all this 
traveling, um, you do end up finding favorite places, and they are the small independent places where you actually get to know some people and you know what's going on in the kitchen. And they start to know you. Right. Um, exactly. and, and they think, oh, okay, this is the woman who, who last time had this. They look out for you. And we all need to look out for each other. Absolutely. It's about making connection. And that's real important to me, too. To me, maybe one of the reasons I wrote this book is that, you know, you were talking before about the health imperative of a plant-based diet, that, that finally we're, we're getting a major recommendation. Um, a lot of people know that it's good for them, but it's much easier to have this kind of conversation when you connect, and it's easier to do that over a good meal. So if, you know, you make something fabulous and say, come over and eat it with me, you know, then then the awakening starts, uh, and that's that's a good way to, to get a conversation going. And is that why you think it's so important to get people back in the kitchen? Yeah, we need to connect with our food. Um, we need to connect with each other. We need to connect with where our food came from. Um, it doesn't just end with the plate. Uh, you know, you mentioned very kindly that I write for all these different publications, and I do write about food. Uh, I was never... You know, at first when I started writing about it, people would say, oh, it must be so fabulous you get to hang out at these restaurants. And I said, yeah, with a big smile. But I'm thinking, I don't really care about the restaurants. I care about where the eggplant came from. I care about how it was grown. I care about why the chef came up with doing it this way, because it's really kind of wacky and I've never tried it before. What prompted him? Um, so I was always sort of walking off the plate when I, <laughs> when I know that people would have just loved for me to stay on and talk about, oh, you know, it was just arranged with stacked on the plate just so, and it was this and that. I'm more interested in real. You know, one of the things I've noticed that's really interesting is how open chefs are to, to, your, to your suggestion, at least the restaurants I've been going to. Um, you show up, and breakfast is one of the hardest meals, I think, when you're vegan, because we're such an egg-based, bacon-based, uh, wheat-based um, uh, yeah, society. Yeah, the whole pastry thing. Right. Yeah. And I was just at this beautiful hotel. My daughter took me for Mother's Day, and I asked for, he had this love, and you just go on the menu, and you pick out all these different things. And I had the most beautiful plate there. I actually had people come up to me, and the chef, said, this is gorgeous. And I said, you're the one who did it. But um, it's wonderful. It's, it's wonderful. Now I want to know what it was you had. <laughs> yeah, what you had? I had, and it was deconstructed. It was just this beautiful plate that was had some fresh spinach that he had kind of crisped up. It was beautiful. And a plate of mushrooms and then a potato uh a potato dish, and it was all sitting on this long plate. And it was simple, but it was just fabulous. Well, our food is the prettiest. Yeah, and there was obviously care and thought put into it. That's wonderful. That was great. Yeah, it makes makes such a difference. So, Ellen, why are you vegan? For every reason you can 
think of um, <laughs> for all the reasons you named. I mean, health is good. I'm, I'm glad for the health part, but I did it originally because I love animals. Um, and then I learned more about the environmental impact. You know, we are in such a precarious time right now, and I think anything we can do to live truer to the, to the way we want the world to be is a great thing. And to me, being vegan is like the greatest, most delicious multitasker there is. Okay, it's great for us. The food's fantastic. You get to be nice to all the creatures that you love. Uh, you get to replenish the earth, which is seriously kind of tired. Uh, you cut down on waste. Um, what's not to love? Ah, that's really great. It is. It's wonderful. And and yet we run up all the time against like somebody tweeted to me last week. Why can't you just let people have their beliefs? What do you say to somebody who says, why can't you just let people have their beliefs? Well, clearly you had struck a nerve. Um, <laughs> that was perhaps a, a defensive carnivore replying. Um of course, we are all entitled to our beliefs. Um, and I would have to say it's taken a long time for my husband, an exuberant omnivore, um, to rethink a lot of what he grew up with. You know, food is, is really, think about how intimate it is. It, it's, I mean, we put it in our bodies. There are assumptions about it we make every single day. Um, and it's been over time, and I think over more than a few good meals, that he has come to really like plant-based food a lot more than he used to, or to be open to it. So how did so, you work that out? Did you keep a vegetarian kitchen, and he ate other foods when he was out, or how did that work in a practical sense? Um, I know um, this has been a contentious source among fellow vegans, but I have always wanted the table to be a point of pleasure, not a place to preach. So I would make something for him, and the rest of the meal, the main course, so to speak, would be something plant-based that we could both share. So the, the meat was never the main deal. Um, and sometimes he says, you know what, I, you know, I just, I have, and I know occasionally he'll go out for a burger at lunch. And I'll say, you know, I just had this incredibly heavy meal. I don't feel so good. Can, you know, can you make something good, which means plant-based? <laughs> well, I, I love your openness to that. Absolutely. When I was taking care of this woman that I always call my grandmother because it was just easier to say that, even though she wasn't biologically related, but she started living with my family when I was six months old to take care of me because it was before daycare. She did so much for me. She actually is the reason that I'm vegetarian because she introduced me to that idea and a lot of spiritual ideas. But she never became vegetarian herself. And after she died, and this is going to sound so strange to some people, but, you know, I'm a little bit out there in some ways. I was in London and was able to have a reading with a very famous medium. Her name was Ina Twig. She had become famous because a, uh, an Episcopal clergyman had disappeared in the Holy Land in the 60s. And nobody could find him. They didn't know if it was terrorism or, you know, some sort of, of scandal or what. 
And so finally, in desperation, they went to Ina Twig and she drew a map of where he was. And she said he took a walk in the desert and and just was overcome by the elements. And, and there he is. Mm-hmm. So that made her famous. So anyway, I was having a, a reading with this woman. And, and my grandmother, who had been dead for less than a year, came through and she said, I know how important it is for you to be vegetarian. And I so appreciate when you would make me those sardines or a chicken pot pie. And those were exactly the things that she used to eat and wanted. So I don't know. Love can kind of go far. And whether I would do that now. I don't know that I would put a chicken pot pie in the oven for the Queen of England if she came to visit. I don't think I would. But at that time, I did. And at that time, it was showing love. And we do what we do. Gosh, you're cool, Ellen. I'm so glad we have another segment coming up. So stay with us, everybody, through this break. And we'll be back with more Main Street Vegan with Laurel Arsfeld, our wonderful guest, Ellen Canner, and me. I'm Victoria Moran, the Main Street Vegan. We'll be back. Now and then, life is challenging. I may not welcome challenge itself, but I welcome the opportunity to learn from whatever arises, to grow in understanding, to flex my spiritual muscles. Every day is a new day, a fresh start. No situation or circumstance can hold me back. My life is not only about what's happening to me, it's also what's happening through me. The Christ within is my source of unlimited wisdom and creativity. I do my best when I respond to any challenge from my Christ nature, rather than reacting impulsively from my human nature. Every day I pursue what enriches me, enjoying the journey to my goals as much as the destination. This inspirational message is brought to you by Daily Word. Daily Word. Inspiration and practical teachings to help people of all faiths live healthy, prosperous, and meaningful lives. Give Daily Word to yourself or friend and give the gift of hope, joy, peace, and encouragement. Order your subscriptions today online at dailyword.com. What is the key to happiness? Would you like to find the fountain of youth? How about all the money and love that you could handle? Well, my friends, it is there for you. You just need to strip off the false beliefs that keep your divine inheritance from being attracted into your life. You need to be real. Be vulnerable. Be naked. What are you waiting for? Let's get naked. This transformational program with Reverend Heidi Alfrey is an invitation to explore and remove the blocks that keep you from emotional freedom. Listen to Heidi and her revealing guests as they embrace the power of spiritual nakedness as a guaranteed way to live an authentic and transparent life. Expose yourself to your greatness on Mondays at 3 p.m. Central Time. Let's get naked. No dress code required. Only on Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. You gotta get rid of your butt. It's bigger than it would appear. It hinders your forward movement. 
when you keep bringing up the rear. Thank you for tuning in for Main Street Vegan. Here is your host, Victoria Moran. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to Main Street Vegan. And if you would like to get in here on the tail end of our conversation with Ellen Canner, author of Feeding the Hungry Ghost, Life, Faith, and What to Eat for Dinner, you can give us a call at 888-558-6489. And if you're listening sometime later on the podcast, you can find Ellen at www. Ellen-Ink.com. Ink is a lovely word. Is that I-N-K or I-N-C? I-N-K. And I've often thought as of the writer's life as ink stains on the sheets. Mm. I don't know if you have those, Ellen, but you really are a writer's writer. I mean, this book is so beautiful. Even if you took all the recipes out of it, it would so be a book worth reading. And with the recipes, it's it's just gold. Oh, well, thank you. I, but that's what I wanted it to be because, as I say, so many people don't cook. Well, um, not okay, but okay because you can read it on the couch or you could read it in the kitchen. Um, I know some people who, which was very flattering to learn, have multiple copies. One person keeps one in the kitchen, one person keeps it, and she keeps another one on the nightstand. Well, wow. And thank you for buying two copies. Yeah. (laughs) Well, I think sometimes that reading a recipe is like eating something. Oh, yeah. That's so true. You you can envision the ingredients and the tastes. And, you know, it's maybe not quite like actually making your vegan chocolate cake that just keeps showing up as I flip through the pages. (laughs) Vegan chocolate cake. And it looks really, really simple. It is. Um, I am desperate to get greens into people. But to me, uh, so far, the the recipe everyone wants is that one. And, hey, it's here. And you're right. It's easy. Uh, right. Plus, you maybe- can have greens and beans and mushrooms and onions for your entree. Exactly. And then you can have a piece of vegan chocolate cake. This is America. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> so... Ellen, what about people who don't have time to cook? Uh, I have many answers for that because that must be the question people ask me a lot or sort of like throw down as a dare, like, I don't have time to cook. And what are you going to do about it? Um, Here's what I say. There are a lot, a lot of recipes in here, the vegan chocolate cake included, that you can make. And if you don't eat it all in one go, which you could with the cake, they keep, or you can parcel it out and freeze it and have that or the greens and beans and mushrooms at a later date. So you have done something once and you have multiple payoffs. Or um, work it a different way. Who says you have to do it alone? I think how you source food, uh, how you prepare it, and how you eat it should be a joint effort. We have gotten to the point where we think of it as a miserable act you do by yourself. And I'm thinking that is so sad. Um, so many cultures, and, and until, you know, 
the commercialization of food, we cooked in groups too. So have a potluck or say, hey, I'm making this big pot of pasta. What are you bringing? Uh, just make, bring everyone into the kitchen with you. It's a lot more fun that way. That's really good advice. I like that a lot. I think some of it's geographic. I feel that since I've lived in New York City, there is a lot less eating at home and being mm. invited into people's homes, I guess, because so many people's homes are really small. <laughs> but I want to start doing something that I'm I'm calling in my fantasy Sunday Supper Salon, I like just it. to get people together and not in a restaurant. And we have fabulous restaurants here and fabulous vegan restaurants. But there is something about just mm-hmm. sitting around a table and seeing what you come up with. A real person. Yeah, that's table. what I think too. Miami is where I live is really stretched out, and um, so that makes it easier not to get together. But sometimes you just gotta coax people, and if you say, "Hey, I'm making this fantastic Moroccan tagine. Why don't you come?" That that can be enough of an impetus. I remember that, more of that. When I lived in Kansas City, I remember one night my daughter was maybe, I don't know, 11, 12, and she wanted to start making a Middle Eastern meal. And by the time she was at it for an hour or so, I saw it was going to be a feast for 15. And we were able to get that many people on a weeknight in Kansas City. I don't know if it would happen here. Maybe. Maybe. Sometimes oh, you have to would. try something. I bet it would. Let the, uh, let the scent waft down the hallway. Yeah, well, that could be. <laughs> that could be. So we're, we're on Unity Online Radio, and we're interested in spirituality and that kind of thing. And you've got a lot in your book about the cultural and religious aspects of food. What's important about that for you? Um. I have been, I keep coming back to connection. I like what has sustained us, or I like to know, which is why all my ingredients, all my recipes have very simple ingredients. They've been around for a long time. There's nothing fake or processed about them. I'm also interested in the foods we eat at different times of the year, not just the produce that's in season, but what we eat to mark celebration or what we eat at sad times. So I do arrange the book seasonally, but, you know, if you also want to make something sexy for Valentine's Day, that's in there too. Um, And it does all pivot around fresh produce, but it also talks about the, the spiritual or religious significance of dishes. And I find that just, oh, almost better than the food. Deep meaning. Absolutely. Okay, a little more frivolous question. Who are the guests at your ideal dinner party? Um, it may sound frivolous, um, but I have a serious answer. And my answer may sound a little wacky, too. I'm just talking the way I normally talk. Um, everybody. <laughs> because I think we all deserve nourishment, all of us. And if that means 7 billion of us, everyone on the planet, I'm okay with that. Um, I think everyone deserves to be fed and nourished and celebrated. Um, The menu, 
may be a little tough to pull off. Um, but again, it's sustainable food, food that's easy to grow and easy to nourish us. So lots of whole grains and lots of beans and something green and seasonal, whatever that would be. And because it is food from the earth, there will be enough for all of us. And that's what I want. Wow. And you not only write beautifully, but you speak beautifully. And when you were answering that question, you said something. I don't even know if you noticed that you said it, but you said, everyone deserves to be fed and nourished and celebrated. And I'm thinking of someone who doesn't like his or her body, somebody who is a wounded veteran of the diet wars, an affirmation for that person. I deserve to be fed and nourished and celebrated. Whoa. I will tweet that and credit you. (laughs) Oh, wow. Thank you. (laughs) Yeah, that's, that's really, really nice. So, Ellen, you're very much into the slow food movement, uh, organic, local. I find that a lot of people who are in that world don't like vegans. I find people in the drive through at McDonald's more open to veganism lots of times. How, how do you navigate that slippery slope? Oh, I think you guys have to come down to Miami. Yeah? <laughs> um, I mean, I, I do know people who, who look at me and they think, uh, she's a little weird. But almost everyone looks at me and thinks I'm a little weird. But once, you know, we were talking about hitting the, the small local restaurants, all the chefs in Miami, all the, you know, and I just came back from San Francisco and New Orleans. If you give everyone a heads up and say, hey, um, I'm coming, I'm vegan, can you accommodate me? I have found people to be very, very open to that. I know one chef who says, you know, I can put a steak on the grill and it's going to be great, but that makes me lazy. I would much rather do like, like what the chef did for you, Laurel, and, and, and yeah. come up with something fresh and lively and, 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 and make something beautiful from, from the ingredients that are right there. Sounds good and so, so. much better to build bridges. Absolutely. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> I, I think that if you put together everybody who's looking to make a better world, so we're talking the vegans and the organic people and the spiritual people and the all kinds of people, if you could just get our good parts together and sort of let the things we disagree on fall aside, right. we could change the world in a minute. Oh, I totally believe that. Some, something to strive for. So, Laura, That's what why are you... I say I'm the vegan who wants to invite everyone to the table. Ah, That's great. That's We're beautiful. coming. <laughs> We're coming. <laughs> well, you probably will be, Laurel, since you I travel so much. Yes, exactly. So, oh, I can't what... wait. This will be great. <laughs> what, are, what are you making tonight for dinner, Ellen? Uh, there is going to be the, the farinata, the chickpea pancake. Oh, that's right. Yeah. And there is broccoli, and I got from my local um, producer these gorgeous king mushrooms. They're they're big. You should excuse the expression, meaty, gorgeous mushrooms. <laughs> uh, and I've got some. I've I've got the last of my basil in the garden. It, it tends to burn up this time of year, just when it's gorgeous up where you are. 
Um, so I'm, I'm going to, to sacrifice my, my basil and um, I think some lemon and garlic because I put that in almost everything. Um, and that's going to be a really nice um, sort of um, sexy stew for on top. And I've got a great big artichoke we're going to share. Ah, that sounds wonderful. Yeah, you seem to celebrate life through food. Oh, my goodness. And I love when you mentioned broccoli in your book, your recipe for broccoli with lemon and mint has a a parenthetical next to it that says, broccoli for beginners. (laughs) When I used to fast, I used to do water fasting for health and weight loss and other things. Uh, Don't do that anymore. But I can remember lying on the beach there in Florida where I would usually go to not eat. And I would fantasize broccoli with lemon. It was never cookies. It was never ice cream or the stuff that I really ate a lot of, which made me feel like I needed to spend two weeks not eating at all. Broccoli with lemon. So I love this idea of broccoli for beginners. See, your body was telling you, this is what I need. Mm -hmm, Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And I think we get a, a little bit caught up in, in that thing about, you know, my body's telling me, because sometimes the body is saying, you know, you need a shot Winkies. of tequila and a hot dog. Yeah. <laughs> but I, I think sometimes when you're in a pure state, yeah. you know, it's almost like you need to get quiet so the inner spirit can come through. Maybe you need to get the food out of your system sometimes so that the body can really right. say, you know, what I've been trying to get through to you all this time is... Yeah, the static has been incredible. (laughs) So you do garden, Ellen. Give me a a minute on gardening. I think that's so important from my fifth floor high-rise condominium in New York City. But I do think for anybody that can do it, there's something very special about it. What does it do for you? It connects me. It makes me really, really appreciative of all the beautiful produce that we get. And um, I can go into a real gardening rapture, but I must tell you, my space is not probably much bigger than what you have. It's about the size of our dining room table, but I do manage to, um, it's so nice. My office looks out over the backyard, so I get to see. I've got a bunch of collards, which are impervious to cold, to heat, to, to taunts. I mean, they are just fabulous in terms of resilience. Uh, I have chives and tomatoes and chilies because essentially I'm growing salsa. Um, I've got the last of my basil. I've got some cilantro. I've got rosemary that came from uh, rosemary and mint that came from some friends' cuttings. So you can do a lot with a little. I find the earth tremendously inspiring and giving that way. And it makes me want to give back. Well, I find you tremendously inspiring. Absolutely. Thank you so much, Ellen Canner. The book is Feeding the Hungry Ghost, Life, Faith, and What to Eat for Dinner. Get it. It's beautiful. You will love to have it in your kitchen and on your bedside table. You can find <laughs> Ellen Canner at ellen-inc.com and on Mondays on the Huffington Post. Thank you so much, Laurel. Thank you so We're going to have fun in New York we City. Are. Yeah, we're going to go down to Moose Shoes and buy some shoes. And everybody listening, please join us here next week. We're going to have a fascinating show with a couple of Total individuals, big, bald Mike is an arm wrestler. 
from Austin, Texas, and he is big and he is bald and he is tattooed everywhere, including his head. And then we are going to be joined by Honey LeBronx, the vegan drag queen of YouTube cooking show fame. So don't miss that one. Thanks, everybody. And remember, God bless you. Eat your veggies. Thank you for listening to Main Street Vegan. Join us every Wednesday at 2 p.m. Central Time as Victoria Moran entertains, educates, and inspires you on your vegan journey. This program is sponsored by Main Street Vegan. To learn more about Victoria or to explore training with Main Street Vegan Academy as a vegan lifestyle coach, go to www.mainstreetvegan.net. That's www.mainstreetvegan.net. What is the secret to happiness? Why do bad things happen to good people? What is our purpose in life? What must I do to bring healing into my life? Join Reverend Paul Hasselbeck every Tuesday for a metaphysical romp. Explore fundamental unity principles put into action through real-life scenarios from people like you. Call in with your questions and spiritual challenges, and let Paul take you on a journey of profound personal understanding and transformation. That's Metaphysical Romp with Reverend Paul Hasselbeck every Tuesday at noon Pacific, 3 p.m. Eastern, right here on Unity FM, the voice of an awakening world. Inspiration only takes a moment. Take a moment now to reflect on this message from Daily Word. Is something in your life causing you concern? Don't be discouraged. The presence of God is peace and harmony, healing and creative ideas, is with you every moment of every day, providing the help you need. In quiet moments of prayer, let go of any concern. Anchor your trust deep in the realization that with God all things are possible. Never doubt it for a single moment. You are a spiritual being, blessed with all that you need for happiness and fulfillment. God's wisdom will guide you. God's strength will help you do all that you need to do. And God's joy will lighten your heart with hope and courage. This meditative moment is brought to you by Unity. Are you ready for deeper spiritual breakthroughs? Have you wondered how to apply spiritual principles to your everyday life in practical ways? Do you feel your soul is calling you to deeper purposes? Join Rev. Galen McDowell live every Wednesday at 10 a.m. Central for Truth Transforms, a discussion on how God within you, as you, is the power to transform your life. If you really believe that consciousness determines your experiences and that you are an individualized expression of God, join us as we help awaken and transform the consciousness of humanity. We will discuss, through lecture, live interviews and call-in questions, spiritual healing, prayer, prosperity, forgiveness, new thought views about eternal life, and much more. The world is waiting for your truth transformation, only on Unity Online Radio.
I'm Dr. Tom Shepard, host of Let's Talk About It on Unity Online Radio. In my studies of world religions, I've repeatedly encountered two central spiritual questions. How do we make sense of life, and how do we live it more successfully? You're invited to explore these two questions with me in my new book, The Many Faces of Prayer, How the Human Family Meets Its Spiritual Needs. You'll be amazed at the remarkable ways people have learned to pray to their gods and to celebrate life individually and as communities of faith. Learn more at unitybooks.org. Hi, I'm Liz Winter, and I have been a medium and a spiritual development teacher for over 30 years. On my podcast, All Aboard the Medium Ship, I want to share the message with you that there is a wealth of love and comfort available to you from the spirit world. On my podcast, you can experience this comfort and peace for yourself through gentle guided meditations and helpful messages. Make sure you subscribe and follow so you never miss an episode. Part of the MindBodySpirit.fm podcast network.